today. Uh, part of our Christmas traditions here at Concord United Methodist is that we participate in the Trek ministry. It provides gifts for children in our community who might otherwise go without. And many of you uh, have signed up enthusiastically as soon as we let you know of the need. We have a few more spots available. If you'd like to participate in helping kids, particularly at Cedar Bluff Elementary School and at Wesley House who need help having Christmas this year, this is an opportunity. Some, of, some families like to sponsor a child. Sometimes Sunday school classes or small group sponsor a child. And so uh, you, we want to let you know of that opportunity today. Uh, today, we're focusing on how God leads us to nurture new generations and how we are nurtured is very important for us. I remembered how I was nurtured in the church and I remember what my mother taught me. I remember she took me to church each Sunday and she taught me that though all sins might possibly be equal in God's eyes, they were not in hers. There were some that were worse than others. And way up on that list was cussing in church. And just barely below cussing was chewing gum in church. Friends, I'm chewing gum in the pulpit today. I'm hoping it will help my voice hold out through this sermon. And my family, some of you know, lives in Oak Ridge and occasionally they will attend. I have never been so happy to not see my mother in worship <laughs> as I am today. How we're raised shapes us for the rest of our lives. I was raised in a family that when you came to breakfast, there was always a newspaper at the table. To this day, I pay extraordinary amounts of money to have a printed newspaper at the table because that's what I want to do for breakfast. And when my family wanted me to, to begin reading more, they started out easy. They just happened to take the comic section and it happened to be near my bowl of oatmeal as I'd come down to to eat breakfast and, and I would, would go through the, the comics and not only uh, did it teach me a, a little bit how, how to read, uh, it began to teach me, you know, what was funny and what wasn't funny. And there was one comic uh, that my family enjoyed and that was called The Family Circus. Some of you remember it, it was normally just a circle and uh, it had a little uh, excerpt an image of family life uh, with, a, with a comment on it. And one day, it was two young boys, maybe preschool age, maybe early elementary school, and they were walking along. And one of the boys said to the other, my mother says she hopes when I grow up that I have a child just like me. <laughs> but I didn't like the tone in which she said it. Uh, we, when we, we think about that, it's, uh, of course, the, the dream uh, of parents to, to have grandchildren. And uh, I was reminded uh, by one grandparent to remember as I'm parenting uh, that not only am I trying to raise uh, responsible, self-sufficient, faithful adults, I'm raising the parents of my grandchildren. And when we think about what that means for us, that we in our families and in the faith, we are raising the parents of our grandchildren. Uh, we are raising the parents of our great-grandchildren. When I consider that, I believe the greatest responsibility God has given us is the raising of children. Or we might say it differently. We might say the raising of future generations. Because how we do that does not just affect us for the here and now. It affects every generation. 
for, for the rest of history. And how we do that, are we raising them to know the truths of God? Are, are we raising them to know how we are supposed to treat and take care of one another? Are we re- raising them to read their Bibles and pray? Uh, are we raising them to, to serve the church? Uh, this is why I encourage you to be a part of the daily Bible reading plan. Uh, this week we've picked out scriptures that help us think about how we impact those who will come after us. And you can find it at the Information Center or online at concordunited.org Bible. One of those scriptures that you probably remember is Proverbs 22.6. And Proverbs 22.6 is, is from the, the book of wisdom. And in it, God tells us this. Train up children in the right way. And when they are old, they will not stray. That there's a way we are supposed to train up children. We are not just supposed to clothe and feed them, but we are supposed to to train them. And this is intuitive. This has been intuitive uh, for humans for for centuries. Uh, Used to, you'd train up a child to do whatever profession the family did or in all the ways to, to take care of the farm. Now we take them to a preschool because we know they need the the academic milestones and all the, the physical and intellectual building blocks that will prepare them for elementary school, that will prepare them for middle school, that will prepare them for high school, will that prepare them uh, for the work world or for, for college. We, we know that we're supposed to train them up in, in, how, in how that happens, and we know we're supposed to train them up in the faith. And just this week as we celebrate Veterans Day, just as the military is charged with training soldiers, the church is charged with training Christians. Uh, the military has spent hundreds of years and billions of dollars figuring out the best way to train up soldiers. It's not coincidence they get their hair cut a certain way. It's not coincidence they're taught to stand at attention a certain way or to march a certain way. It's all part of what goes into helping someone become a soldier who can function under the most difficult conditions. And those who have been through it and those who have helped train other soldiers can tell you there are thousands of pieces that go in to to what it means. And they've been thought through meticulously. And it's the same for us with training up Christians. We're the ones God has charged with thinking through it meticulously and investing dramatically in it because it will dramatically shape our our future world of thinking what are the different things that those coming after us need at the different stages in their life. When we look at our preschool that you got to see uh, the videos of uh, just, just a moment ago and that if you come by the church or those of us who work at the church, we get to see it every day. We get to walk by the chapel and hear children's voices uh, raised in singing praise to God. Uh, We get to walk by the classrooms and see them intently learning. We get to walk through the gym and see them playing together. Well, what our preschool does is that they have a curriculum. And they have thought through meticulously what a child needs to be ready to have academic success in elementary school. But that's not what they're known for. If you ask around town, what we are known for is we are known for being the most loving preschool 
in this section of our region. And we are known for social, helping children socialize, helping them learn how to relate to one another and how to relate to their teachers of being that nurturing environment. And this is so needed because so many of our young people lost somewhere between six and 12 months of social and academic development during COVID. And now we're finding that it is as important or more than ever. As we prepare uh, for this Faith for Generations campaign, we recognize that the new building for which we dream will allow us to open uh, a new class and expand our uh, current uh, the census of our current preschool classes, it will, it will give them, them better, better space. Uh, and I can tell you, as, as much of a building as you could ever build, we could fill that with children that are on our waiting list. Uh, we're, we can't build big enough to take care of the entire waiting list. It's, it's far too big, but we're going to take care of what we can take care of in the preschool world. Because what we know is when you're whether it's soldiers or children or even ourselves training requires sacrifice to be trained in any trade you have to go to school you have to be an apprentice this is how training takes place often you have to work long hours for small amounts of pay or you even have to pay to study you have to to pay to work to train yourself to what you are called to become when, when you train up children in your home, it requires sacrifice. You learn this in the first days of parenting. It requires the sacrifice of your sleep habits. And uh, often uh, in the latter days of having children in the home in their late teenage years, it is no longer you staying up later than you wanted to because they're crying. It's now you staying up to hear that door open and to make sure that they come in at curfew and to then uh, magically uh, know whenever they missed it, even though you pretended to be asleep the whole time. And to be able to bring that up at just the most opportune moment, it, it requires some, some sacrifices. As we dream of a new building, and a building that would allow us to expand our, pre, our weekday preschool, to dramatically expand our children's ministry, and to dramatically expand our Cades ministry for adults living for dementia. It takes sacrifices. And the story of the Christian, the story of the Christian faith is the story of sacrificial love. That's what Christ showed us, right? The story of Concord United Methodist Church is the story of a community of faith willing to make sacrifices, willing to start a new church in the devastating aftermath of the Civil War in 1865 for the people of Old Concord, which was down by the creek. And when TVA ordained that that creek should become a lake, it's the story of a church that would leave a building that they spent 60 years raising the money to build and just three decades later move and move to this space because this is where the people were. And it's the story of a church that continually created space for people. When the old sanctuary, which is now the chapel, uh, could not hold the people, they said, we will build a new sanctuary. And, and they said, but 
if we build it, when they're building the sanctuary, they said, oh, we're going to have this beautiful sanctuary, but we don't have the money to put an organ in it. So they, in faith, they built a sanctuary built for an organ before they could afford the organ. And they built the sanctuary and then they said, we will build the organ. And then they sat around and they patted themselves on the back and they said, we're done. Isn't this wonderful? We're done. And then the church grew. And, and as it grew, there were more young families. And those children running through the hallways needed a place it was okay to run. And people at the church came together and they said, we need a family life center. We need a gym. And they built a gym. And now there was a place for bigger fellowship meals and for games and exercise. And there was a place where children could be loud. And then the church patted themselves on the back and said, we're done. But growth continued and particularly the church had a ministry called the preschool. And the preschool needed more space. And the church had a growing choir and the choir needed a choir room. And the church said, we will build the West Wing. And the West Wing was, was built and it created new space for preschool and it created a wonderful uh, choir room. It created uh, large classrooms for growing Sunday school classes, some of whom had almost a hundred in attendance on some Sunday mornings. It created this space. And then the, the pastor of our church told the church to pat themselves on the back because they were done. Well, then in this gym that previous generations had built, a new style of worship was begun called contemporary worship. And there were people who said, no one wants to hear uh, guitars and drums in worship. And uh, they, they just said, well, maybe some people do. And a contemporary worship service was started. And there were 300 people sitting in folding chairs in a gym with horrible acoustics. Uh, to worship God with this new style of music. And as that service grew, it turned out it didn't take away from traditional worship and take away worshipers so much as it increased the overall number of people worshiping God at the church. But they knew that it wasn't right to worship God forever in a room with horrible acoustics and a, a stage that was difficult to see with chairs that had to be put out and put up each week. So they dreamed, and they dreamed of an east wing with a worship center. And there was a large youth group that was always looking for space. And they said, let's build upstairs areas for adult classes, but also a large area for youth. And let's build a, a worship center that is really worshipful. That isn't just a black box like some places are building, but that has stained glass and has the brick imagery that you see on that wall in your sanctuary that has that, that helps people feel like when they walk into the space that it's a reverent place, but is also a flexible place where we can have even larger fellowship meals and church gatherings. And that it was built. And then we wondered, are we done? There had been talk of a children's wing way back when we were first dreaming of a worship center, but especially when COVID hit, 
we wondered, will we need it? And we studied. And then we discovered that yes, the children and the young people are coming back to church and the numbers of them are growing significantly and Cades needs more space. And this is what we'll do. And I have to tell you, I have studied it. I have looked at the building codes from Farragut and I believe this is the last possible building we are legally allowed to put on this plot of land And I humbly recognize I'm the fifth pastor to think that. (laughs) And it requires sacrifice. And I will tell you what will make this initiative in our church a success or not. Is whether we sit back and we say, well, a few well-to-do families need to make a sacrifice. Because you know what? They will. But if we also say, If instead we say, we all need to make a sacrifice. And if we all recognize that we don't have an equal share, but we all have an equal sacrifice, then we will far exceed what we imagined that we could do. My wife and I have had this conversation. Each year, uh, we give 10% of our total income to the church for its core ministries. And we decided that we wanted this to be the single largest gift we'd ever given outside of that 10%. And we asked, how can, how can we do that? And we looked and we saw a level that would just allow us to reach that goal. But when we looked at it, we realized it wouldn't really require sacrifice. We wouldn't really feel it. And then we looked at another level of gift we could make. And we said, that's our dream We want to do that one day. And we're planning and hoping to one day. But if we did that today, our children would not get braces. Uh, We would not be prepared for college and cars which are coming. And then we saw a level in between. And we believed that it was a stretch. But with the right planning that we could do that. And we prayed a prayer. And this was our prayer. God, what sacrifice on our behalf would bring you joy and bring us peace? That's a prayer I encourage you to pray. Whether it's about a gift or of resources or a gift of your time to volunteer and to help in some area. That when God calls you to something, when God calls you to love sacrificially, whether it's how you take care of those in your family, God, what sacrifice would bring you joy and bring me peace? I encourage you to pray that prayer because we know that we all have a responsibility in raising up future generations. One of the most heartwarming things for me is that all the teachers, the staff of the preschool have come together and they've all said, we are personally supporting this campaign. And all the students are bringing offerings to their classes for the students who come after, after them. First Timothy states this rather bluntly. And I want you to know that I would never say it this bluntly or this offensively, but Paul did. And so I'm going to read what Paul said to you and to, to all of us, to, to the church. Paul, Paul says this in First Timothy 5 verse 8. And whoever does not provide for relatives 
and especially for family members, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What he's saying is the importance of looking at those we have the responsibility to care for, of recognizing what they need and their unique challenges. And next week we'll be celebrating our children's ministry and we'll be talking about some of the unique challenges that children encounter in their elementary years and and into their, their teen years. But I want to let you know that of all those needs, the biggest need that we all have when we look at the generation above us if you're, and whether that generation above you is 15 years old or 30 years old or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100, what we need most is a faithful witness to be admired, to look at those who've come before and say they spent their life on something worthwhile. I don't see everything the way they see it, but the way they spent their life is a worthwhile way to spend your life. Remember Proverbs 22, 6 uh, that tells us, train up uh, a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not stray. And even if they stray, they will have a north star. They will have a compass to guide them home. And many of us have been there, right? Many of us were raised in the faith. Many of us knew right from wrong, and there was a time in our lives when we strayed some. But we had a compass. We had a north star to bring us back, to show us what was really real and what was really important. Because when it comes to training Christians or training children, you need to know that training Christians is like leading a horse to water. You can't make them drink but they better know where the river is. We've got to make sure they know where that river is. More and more people in our culture don't know where the river is. Our families, our churches, our country, our world will be dramatically blessed by those who are raised up knowing where the river is, where the waters flow down, and who the God is from whom all blessings flow. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for those who have raised us and trained us in the faith. Help us be people who live lives of sacrificial love that we might raise up new generations not to think like us, not to look like us, but to find in you what we have found, a God of love beyond limit and mercy beyond measure, and to share this God with a world that you loved enough to give your only son. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. 
Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.